Heavenly Father, we thank you for your faithful love for us. We thank you for your devoted love towards your children. We are not worthy of such wonderful love that you've poured into into our lives, but we are so thankful, Lord God. And we pray that just as we long for praise to ever be on our lips, Lord, I also long that truth would ever be on my lips as I preach to us this morning. And so that is my prayer, Lord God, that you would you would make truth come through your word this morning. As we read from Matthew chapter seven, may truth shine forth and may I glorify and honour you and may each of us listening and hearing and responding glorify and worship you in our hearts as we listen to your word read. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've spent seven weeks uh, reading the Sermon on the Mount together as a church. It's been a wonderful seven weeks hearing the greatest sermon ever preached, preached by Jesus Christ as he sat down on the mount and spoke to his disciples and explained what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And this week, after seven weeks of preaching through this eighth week, we're coming to read the final part of this great sermon. And right at the end of this sermon that Jesus preaches, Jesus calls his people, he calls them sternly, but he also calls them lovingly to obedience. And he uses three powerful illustrations to speak about the importance of obedience to his disciples, to Christians, to you and to me. So shall we read it together? I'm going to read Matthew 7 verses 15 to 29. Matthew 7 verses 15 to 29 the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus speaking, of course. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognise them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thorn bushes? So every healthy tree bears good fruit. But the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognise them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, 
the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. If you have your Bibles in front of you, you can probably see the way this text divides up. Verses 15 to 20 are about good and bad trees. And there's a warning in that section against false prophets, wolves in sheep's clothing. They're called ravenous wolves, aren't they, in verses 15 to 20. Then the second section is verses 21 to 23, where Jesus speaks about people who seemingly prophesied in Jesus's name, who seemingly did mighty works, even driving out demons in Jesus's name. But really, they were workers of lawlessness. They did not do the will of the Father and Jesus never knew them and will say, depart from me. And then the third section, verses 24 to 27, where Jesus compares someone who hears and does the words that he speaks in the Sermon on the Mount. He says they are like a man who builds his house on the rock. And he compares that to the foolish man who builds his house on the sand as he calls. Jesus calls his disciples to be hearers and doers of the word, not hearers only. But instead of preaching through those three sections as three separate points, instead, I want to speak into the two key themes that come out of this text, but are pointed at and spoken of in all three sections. So I've divided my sermon up this morning into section one, obedience, obedience to God, and section two, disobedience to God. I'm going to start by speaking about obedience, and then secondly, I'm going to talk about disobedience. So firstly, obedience to God. At the end of this sermon, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus clearly, powerfully and passionately calls his disciples, his followers, his citizens of the kingdom of heaven to obedience. In section one, he calls his disciples to bear good fruit. Now, section one is all wrapped up in a warning about false prophets and about recognising um, wolves who look like sheep. But this, the first part, verses 15 to 20, is also a reminder to true disciples of Jesus Christ to bear good fruit. Do you remember at the start of Matthew's gospel, John the Baptist preached and he spoke and he said, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And so as John was speaking about bearing fruit, he was saying to bear fruit is to stop living in sin and rebellion against God and to bear fruit is to start living good lives in obedience to God. It was to repent, it was to turn from one way of living in sin and to turn to living good lives in obedience to God. But the most famous passage to understand what Jesus means when he's speaking about bearing fruit is Galatians 5. 22 to 23, where Paul, the writer of Galatians, lists the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self 
control. The nine fruit of the spirit listed in Galatians 5. And that's what Jesus is calling us to here. He's saying, be be a tree planted by streams of water and bear good fruit. Show the fruit of the spirit in your life. Now, you'll notice that Jesus is explicit, actually, in Matthew chapter seven in the Sermon on the Mount, that he's speaking about the fruit of the spirit, not the gifts of the spirit, because he talks about gifts of the spirit in the second section in a negative way. He says, I'm talking about fruit. I'm not talking about prophecy. I'm not talking about casting out demons. I'm not talking about mighty miracles or works. Those are gifts, not the fruit. No, the fruit that Jesus is looking for in these first few verses that we're looking at is love and kindness and gentleness and all those things listed in Galatians chapter 5. So the first section about good and bad trees is about obedience. It's about bearing good fruit for God. Then in section 2, in verse 21, Jesus speaks about obedience again. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father. You know, section two is about doing the will of the father, of God, the father. Some people will say with their lips that they believe in Jesus as Lord. They will call Jesus Lord with their lips. But what Jesus is saying is their deeds betray them. They do not do the will of the father. They speak the right words, but they do not do the right deeds. They are not showing true obedience in the will of the Father. And so the big question from kind of section two is, if prophecy, casting out demons and doing mighty works isn't the will of the Father that Jesus is referring to here, what is the will of the Father? What is the Father's will for our lives? Well, there's a verse in John chapter six that answers that so brilliantly. This is John six, verse 40. Jesus speaking again, and this is what he says. This is the will of my father, that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. Do you want to enter the kingdom of heaven? Do you want to do the will of the father? Look on him and believe in him and receive eternal life. Put your trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. And don't just do that by speaking. It's not just words. It's not just lip service, but rather it's believing in your heart, in your heart, putting your trust in Jesus and saying, I cannot save myself. I have done things wrong, but I trust in Jesus's life, death and resurrection from the dead for my salvation. So here in the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus speaks of doing the will of the Father, firstly, he's talking about believing in himself, believing in Christ. But I think he's talking about more than that as well. Because he's spoken about the will of the Father throughout the Sermon on the Mount. He's, he's spoken often about the Father in this sermon. Uh, do you remember a few weeks ago, we were talking about the Father who sees in secret. Uh, and Jesus says, the Father who sees in secret will reward you. And what is Jesus calling us to in that, in that section of the Sermon on the Mount? He's, talking, he's calling us to pray. He's calling us to give money to those who are in need. And he's calling us to fast. 
And so the will of the Father has been revealed in Jesus' instructions in the Sermon on the Mount. So when Jesus says, do the will of the Father, he's talking about believing in Christ, but he's also talking about prayer and giving and fasting. And in fact, all the instructions in the Sermon on the Mount speak into what it means to do the will of the Father. Finally, then, in section three, Jesus also speaks about obedience in verse 24. Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. Do you want to be wise? Then live out Jesus's words in the Sermon on the Mount. When you live out the instructions from the Sermon on the Mount, you're not only bearing good fruit in the Holy Spirit, you're not only doing the will of your Father, you're also obeying the words of Jesus Christ. And so throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has laid out a number of clear instructions for how his disciples should live. He said to us, do not be angry. To be angry at your brother is, is to commit the sin of murder in your heart. He's, he's called us not to lust after people, to not, to not think of things inappropriately in a sexual way, but only to have sex with our married partner. He's called us not to get divorced in the Sermon on the Mount. He's told us not to take oaths, but rather just say yes or no and, and speak truthfully when we speak. Jesus said, do not retaliate. But in fact, bless your enemies, bless those who persecute you, turn the other cheek. He's called us to love our enemies. He's called us to give to the needy. He's called us to pray in secret. He's called us to fast, but not to flaunt our fasting by telling others and showing others that we're fasting, but rather to fast privately. He's called us to lay up treasures in heaven. He's instructed us not to be anxious, but to trust God with our lives. He's called us not to judge. He's called us to ask, seek and knock. And ultimately, with the golden rule, at the end of the list of instructions that Jesus gives to us in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, do to others as you would have others do to you. Whatever you would like others to treat you, treat others that way as well. This is the law and the prophets, he says about that golden rule. To do to others as you would have others do to yourself is the law and the prophets. And so this is what it means to bear the fruit of the Spirit. This is what it means to do the will of the Father. This is what it means to obey Jesus's words. It's to live out all these instructions from the Sermon on the Mount. This is a call at the end of this sermon very clearly to be obedient to the instructions we have received. Now I want you to notice that all three persons of the Trinity work together to bring you to obedience. I love that about this preaching from Jesus. He doesn't, he, he's not explicit about the Trinity, but the way he's speaking, it's a very Trinitarian way of preaching. He's speaking about the fruit of the Spirit in section one. He's talking about the will of the Father in section two, and he talks about obeying his own words, Jesus, God, the Son, in section three. It's a Trinitarian call to obedience here on the Sermon on the Mount. And so I want to make this point very clearly and, and very strongly. It's not my point. It's Jesus's point from the text. Obedience matters to God. Obedience matters to God. And in fact, all three persons of the Trinity care about your obedience to God. And so every Christian 
in response to the glorious salvation that Jesus has won for you, in response to the goodness of God, don't just listen to the words of the Sermon on the Mount, but hear them and obey. Hear them and do. Obey, for this is the will of God your Father. So let me just challenge you to reflect on this sermon series that we've gone through and what we've read in the Sermon on the Mount. Have you just heard and enjoyed those sermons? Or have you really lived out Jesus's instructions in the Sermon on the Mount? And if you haven't lived, if you haven't obeyed those instructions, then I would urge you go back to the text, read through it again and start to change your life based on the way Jesus instructs his disciples. The second theme that comes out from these illustrations at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, in contrast to the obedience that Jesus speaks of, is disobedience. Jesus speaks about obedience in these verses, but he also speaks about disobedience. And actually, every time Jesus speaks about disobedience in these verses, he speaks about punishment. And so the second point this morning is about disobedience and punishment. Look firstly at verse 19, where Jesus says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Every every Christian or so-called Christian, not a real Christian, who does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Fiery punishment awaits those who do not produce the good fruit of the kingdom of heaven. So what verse 19 is saying, fiery punishment awaits those who do not bear good fruit. Look at verse 23. Then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Separation from Jesus Christ, the source of life and love and eternal happiness, separation from that, awaits those who do not do the will of the Father. That's what, that's what section two is about, that separation from Jesus. Jesus will say, depart from me to those people who do not do the will of the Father. Now look at verse 27, which speaks about the foolish man who does not hear and do Jesus's words, but simply hears them and does not do them. And this is what Jesus says about that man. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house that the foolish man had built and it fell. And great was the fall of it. A great fall awaits those who only hear and do not do. The words of Jesus Christ. So you see here, Jesus speaks very plainly and very clearly about disobedience to his instructions and about a punishment that comes upon those who do not obey his instructions. And if you are not a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you are not a Christian this morning, you need to heed what Jesus is saying. 
This isn't Duncan who's saying these things. This is Jesus Christ who is saying these things. There is a fiery punishment. There is a separation from all that is good. There is a great fool waiting for you if you do not turn from your current path. If you keep walking in sin and rebellion and disobedience to Jesus's instructions, there is fiery punishment. There is separation. There is a great fall. There is a punishment for disobedience to the instructions of Jesus Christ in the Sermon on the Mount. And the only way to turn from that life of disobedience is to look on Christ and to believe in him. The, the way to look on Christ, by the way, is to read the Gospels and Matthew, Mark, Luke and John to see Jesus in the Gospels. And as you read about his life and his death and his resurrection from the dead, we look upon him and believe in him and trust him for salvation. And he rescues us from the destruction described in these verses in the Sermon on the Mount. So if you aren't a Christian, if you're not a disciple of Jesus, Jesus' call here is to turn from sin and to follow him, to receive salvation and be saved from God's punishment. I plead with you, I beg with you to heed Jesus' warnings. These are not fake words. These are words that will come to pass if you do not turn from a life of disobedience. Jesus speaks almost brutally about the punishments upon those who disobey his commands. And so I urge you, heed these warnings and turn and believe in Jesus Christ today. Christians, there is also a warning to you here as well. And the warning to you is do not be an antinomian. Anti means against and nomos means the law. And so an antinomian is someone who is against law. In other words, an antinomian is a worker of lawlessness, as Jesus describes that person in verse 23. And so the warning here is do not be an antinomian. Do not be a worker of lawlessness, but rather be an obedient Christian. You see, there's two great errors that every Christian needs to avoid. The first error is legalism. And the legalist says, I must obey the law to save myself. It's my obedience which saves me from God's punishment. And if I obey the law, then I will be OK with God. That's what the legalist says. But we Christians, we know that this isn't true. This isn't what the Bible teaches now, the Bible says this in Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Do you see in those verses? Salvation is by grace. Uh, grace is a, a free, unmerited gift, a gift that we did not deserve and so salvation is by grace it's a gift that we do not deserve and we take hold of that gift through faith god is holding out this gift of grace for all to receive and you take the gift by putting your faith in jesus christ by looking on the son and believing in him and so we speak of salvation by grace through faith 
We're not legalists. We don't earn our salvation by works. We don't obey the law to save ourselves. In fact, we know that every single one of us has disobeyed the law, has committed sin and needs saving. We have failed to obey the law to save ourselves. And so we can't be legalists. It'd be ridiculous to say, I'm a legalist, I must obey the law to save myself, in the knowledge that we have fallen short and will therefore perish and die. So that's legalism is one error that Christians must avoid. But the other er error that we must avoid is antinomianism. And this is what the antinomian says. Since we have been saved by grace, I can do whatever I want. Obedience does not matter at all. That's what the antinomian, that's what the lawless one says. It doesn't matter. I don't need to obey. I don't need to read God's instruction. I'm saved by grace. I can do whatever I want. We know that is also not true biblically. Even if you look at that passage in Ephesians 2, I read to you Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9. Have a look at verse 10. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we are saved by grace. We are saved through faith and we're saved for good works. That verse in Ephesians says. And so if you believe in salvation by grace, as the Bible teaches, if you believe in salvation through faith, as the Bible teaches, then you should also believe in salvation for good works, as the Bible teaches. Since we have received such a wonderful salvation by grace, obedience really does matter because it is for obedience and good works that we have been rescued. We're not saved by our good works, but we are saved into doing good works for others, to bless others, to show love and joy and peace and patience and all those wonderful fruits of the spirit that we read about earlier. And in that way, the fruits, the good works that we do become evidence of the salvation that we've already received. And so an even stronger way of teaching what Jesus is teaching here on the Sermon on the Mount is to say this, those who do not obey, who do not bear good fruit, never truly received salvation in the first place. If you think obedience does not matter, that good works do not matter, if you have lived completely without reference to the instructions of Jesus Christ in the Bible, if you've ignored those things and broken those things thinking that because of grace you can do whatever you like in your life, then the truth is you probably never ever received true grace true salvation in the first place. You see in verse 21, don't you? There are people who say, Lord, Lord, but they have not done the will of the Father. And so Jesus says, depart from me. Leave me alone. I never knew you. And that is a very strong, scary warning. There are people in the church who with their lips say that they believe that Jesus is Lord, but with their lifestyle, do not obey their antinomians. And the truth about those people is that they've never truly received salvation. I do not want to be like one of these people described 
in verses 21 to 23. I do not want to be one of those people who who goes to the judgment seat and says, Lord, Lord, and Jesus say to me, I never knew you. Depart from me. And so the warning for Christians is, do not be legalists, but also do not be antinomians. Rather, receive the gift of salvation by grace and now walk in obedience to the Father's instructions. Do not be legalists, do not be antinomians, but receive salvation by grace through faith for good works. I want to finish with four practical ways, four ways we need to respond to Jesus's words at the end of the Sermon on the Mount here. Four ways we must respond to this sermon this morning. And the first thing we must do is we must believe in Jesus. Look on the Son and believe in him for eternal life. But don't just pay lip service. Don't just say it with your lips. Truly believe in your heart in a way that transforms your life. What does Paul write in Romans? Declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that Jesus was raised from the dead and you will be saved. You know, it's, it's not just a confession with your lips. It's also belief in your heart that saves you. And when you believe something in your heart, it transforms your life. If you believe in Christ in your heart, you will seek to obey the commandments that Jesus gives us in the Sermon on the Mount. And so the first thing we must do is believe in Jesus truly from our heart in a way that transforms our life. The second thing, the second way we must respond is by hearing and obeying. Hearing and obeying. You know, we've spent eight weeks preaching through the Sermon on the Mount and we've not done that because it's good entertainment. We don't put on these services and we don't preach these sermons in order to entertain people for however long the sermon or the service goes on for. Rather, we spent eight weeks in the Sermon on the Mount because it contains the instructions of Jesus Christ and we need to cling to these commands. We need to love these commands, but most importantly, we need to hear and obey. Let's not be like the foolish man who builds his house on the sand, who hears Jesus's instructions, but then ignores them. We want to be like the wise man who builds his house upon the rock, who hears these words of Jesus and obeys them. Even now, the Holy Spirit will be laying challenges on your heart. You know, convictions and challenges that you've heard in these eight weeks that you, you thought at the time, I need to start living that out. But you haven't acted on it. You heard, but you have not obeyed. Maybe the Holy Spirit's speaking to you now. Have you prayed in secret so that the Father who sees in secret will reward you? Have you fasted? Or did you just hear that sermon about fasting and think, oh, that's a nice idea, but not do anything about it? Do you, do you see? Have you heard and obeyed? Or have you just heard? Have you fasted? Have you loved your enemies? Or have you retaliated against people who have done you wrong? Have you been angry? Have you lusted after people who were not your husband or your wife? Have you heard the Sermon on the Mount 
And have you obeyed the Sermon on the Mount? We must be hearers and doers of the word, not just hearers. What does James say? Someone who hears the word and does not do it is like a person who looks in a mirror and walks away and immediately forgets about what they look like. But we need to be hearers and doers of the word. We need to act on the way Jesus instructs us. We need to believe in Jesus, but we also need to hear and obey and walk in obedience. The third way we need to respond this morning is by watching out for false prophets and teachers. There are people out there who look impressive. They may even prophesy in the name of Jesus. They may even seem to drive out demons in the name of Jesus. They may seem to do mighty works, wonders and miracles in the name of Jesus. But Jesus describes them in this passage as ravenous wolves who he does not even know. There are false prophets and teachers in this world and we need to be on the lookout for them. Can I just warn you about the Internet? Now, we're extremely grateful for the Internet. The Internet has allowed us to meet and continue these digital gatherings that we're doing even during lockdown. So we love the Internet. But there are many false preachers and false teachers who use the Internet to teach and preach their messages. And the really dangerous thing about the Internet from a Christian point of view is that you often can't see the fruit of the person who's speaking and teaching. Now, we love the local church and we cannot wait for September when, as a church, we're going to be able to meet again, still socially distanced and observing all the government guidelines. But we're looking forward to that moment when we're going to be able to gather again and see one another as a church. We want to do life together as the local church. We, we think that watching a service on the Internet is not in the long term a satisfactory way of doing church, because if all you do is watch my sermons, if all you do is, is hear what we're broadcasting, are you actually seeing whether the speakers from Christchurch Fairham are bearing good fruit in their lives? You can't tell. I could, I could be standing up here and speaking loads and loads and loads. And you could think, wow, Duncan's a really impressive Christian. But in reality, I could be like sinful and bearing bad fruit and hateful and hurtful and horrible, horrible person. You can't tell online. But when you become part of a local church, you not only hear a pastor's teaching, you also see the fruit that they produce. And so we are inviting you into the life of the local church. If you've never joined us before, if you've watched online and enjoyed our services, I'm saying to you, don't. when we're able to gather again, come and join us, come and be a part of us, come and intermingle with us so that you can see that we're not just speaking these things, but we're also bearing good fruit as a church, trying to live these instructions out. Now, I'm not saying you can't watch online preachers. There's some really good material out there as well. What I'd encourage you to do is if there's someone who you're watching and listening to and you find yourself going back to their teaching quite a lot, come and come and speak to someone else in the church about it. Come and speak to me about it and just say, I've heard this person's teaching. Can you just have a listen to them and make sure that they're a good teacher and not a false prophet? Can, can you give me your opinion on them? Because in that way, as the church, we can grow together. There's great stuff out there online to listen to. But if you just in secret listen to a particular person, you could be falling into the trap of listening to a false prophet and teacher. This is also why sometimes in sermons we labour on points of theology. You know, when I'm talking about legalism and antinomianism, one of the reasons I'm emphasising that point is to protect us as a church from ravenous wolves 
who would teach us things that aren't true. Those legalists who would teach us that we must obey the law in order to be saved. And those those ravenous wolves, antinomians, who teach us that we don't need to worry about obedience. We can just do whatever we like because we're saved by grace. Those are both false prophets, false teachers. And we need to be, according to the word, in the middle of those two errors in walking in truth. And so sometimes we will labour theology in our services in order to help us grow and be protected from false teaching. So that's the third thing. We need to watch out for false prophets and false teachers. Fourthly, and my final piece of application this morning is this. We need to pray more for the fruit of the Spirit than the gifts of the Spirit. Now, we do pray for the gifts of the Spirit. We pray for teachers and preachers to be raised up. We pray for prophets to be raised up. We pray for people to have words of knowledge and wisdom. We pray for the gift of tongues. We pray for the gift of giving. We pray for the gift of leadership. We pray for all the spiritual gifts listed in the New Testament because we believe they continue today and we know that they're good gifts. But if we pray more for the gifts than we pray for the fruit, are our priorities aligned with Jesus's? Because Jesus is really clear here, it's those who do the will of the Father. It's those who obey Jesus' instructions. It's those who bear the fruit of the Spirit, whom Jesus is pleased with here, whom whom Jesus um, commends in these verses. And I think that needs to be reflected in our prayer lives. Yes, pray for the gifts, but pray more for obedience. Pray more for character. When you're praying for yourself, pray through the Sermon on the Mount and ask that you'd live out these commands. Ask that you would pray through the, the fruit of the Spirit and ask that you would grow in all of those fruit. And as you pray for the church, pray more for the, the fruit than the gifts. You know what? As a pastor, I'd rather lead a church without any prophetic gift, but a church that abounds in love than a church that has loads of prophetic gifting but no love at all. That would be a horrible church to be a part of. A church where everyone speaks prophetically all the time, but no one really loves or cares for one another. What an awful church. No, I'd rather we abounded in fruit than we abounded in gifts. Now, obviously, I I hope that we'd have both the fruit and the gifts, but the fruit is the crucial priority here from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. So let me challenge you. Do you pray more for the fruit of the Spirit than the gifts of the Spirit? So the challenge in these verses from Jesus Christ is to be obedient children. As God's beloved children, let us walk in obedience. Let us bear the fruit of the Spirit. Let us walk in the will of the Father and let us hear and do the words of Jesus Christ. Let's not just be hearers of the word, but let's be doers of the word. Let's be God's beloved and obedient children. And let me pray for us that that would be the case. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Sermon on the Mount, this wonderful description of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, what it means to be a citizen of heaven. And although it's wonderful, Lord, it is also challenging. There are many instructions and commands here for us to walk in. So I pray that you would help us with the gift of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us be obedient children. Help us walk in these commands. Help us live out all the things that Jesus lived here. May we be wise people who build our houses on the rock of Jesus Christ rather than the sand. May we walk the narrow way through the narrow gate and on the hard path in obedience rather than choosing the wide gate and the easy path. 
Lord, I pray we would be good trees. I pray we wouldn't be thorn bushes, but we would be vines bearing good grapes, good fruit, Lord God. Make us abundant in the fruit that we bear as a church, Heavenly Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Come, convict us. Where we have not been obedient, change us in the power of your Spirit. And where we've been blind to our disobedience, I pray you would awaken us to understand what is true and what is right. Lord, we know that we are your beloved children and that we have received salvation by grace. But we also long to walk in obedience, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ, following his example. Help us, we pray. Help us do that. In Jesus' name. Amen.